This is Cruise Radio. What's happening right now is a good example of why you should always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Never a dull moment in the cruise world, huh? More cruise lines pushing back cancellations and later startup dates, some seasons being canceled. Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com will get us caught up on all of that in just a couple of moments. We'll also get a review of Royal Caribbean's Explorer of the Seas today. If you have a nose for news like we do, a few options to stay caught up on the news. Our website, cruiseradio.net, putting up articles around the clock there involving the cruise industry. You could also listen to the Cruise Radio Daily News Brief. That is just opposite of this podcast by searching out Cruise Radio News. Or you can come kick around the cruise conversation at the Cruise Radio News Facebook group. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hello, Doug. A handful of cruise lines announced they are extending their voluntary suspension. Yeah, so I'm just going to give you a brief rundown on the major cruise lines and their supposed back-to-service dates. So, so far, we have Carnival Cruise Line. They have a service suspension fleet-wide, at least through May 11th. Celebrity says suspended through May 11th also. You've got Disney through April 28th. That sounds a little early, but we'll see. Holland America service suspension through May 14th, MSC Cruises May 29th, both Norwegian and Princess are saying May 10th is the last date, so after that they would go back into service. And lastly, Royal Caribbean is saying their service suspension date extends through May 11th. Yeah, and this information is constantly changing. We have an article posted at cruiseradio.net to keep on top of all these cruise line cancellations. And speaking of that, Carnival has canceled additional sailings into the summer. Yeah, and, you know, who knows? But as of right now, all Alaska sailings through and including June 30th departures have been canceled. All San Francisco sailings through the rest of the year, though I did find that Princess and Cunard, which are also part of Carnival Corporation, still show San Francisco departures in the summer and fall. And also they've announced Carnival Radiance sailings through and including November 1 are canceled. Though I did find again when I was doing that research, Carnival Radiance is scheduled to depart from Port Canaveral beginning on November 8th. All Carnival Legend sailings through and including October 30th are canceled. Yeah, that's a bummer. I was supposed to be on that transatlantic going to Greenland and Iceland, but I I think June 2nd might be a little too early to try to head over to Europe out of New York City. So uh, I'm kind of glad that got axed on me. Uh, Let's see some good news here. Celebrity Cruises took delivery of their latest ship, but in a very unique way. Yep. So Celebrity Cruises recently took virtual delivery of their new ship, Celebrity Apex, from the shipyard in France to executives at Celebrity. As in maritime tradition, the captain ordered the exchange of the French and American flags and the national anthem for each of the countries was played in the background. So the 2,900 passenger Celebrity Apex, sister ship to Celebrity Edge, features many of the same public venues and that includes the craft social bar and that interesting though slightly goofy space called Eden. Um, It debuted with a sort of outlandish, I don't know, people were calling it like trippy evening entertainment and supposedly that's been changed or toned down the first sailing for celebrity apex is tentatively scheduled on may 20th from barcelona 
the government was kicking around using some cruise ships as floating hospitals if it got that bad. But it looks like the first non-cruise ship to act as a floating hospital recently arrived in New York City. Yeah, so the USNS Comfort, which was stationed in Norfolk, Virginia, and scheduled for close to three to four weeks of renovations and just dry dock improvements, uh, they sped up the, all the procedures, and on Saturday it departed from Norfolk and arrived into Manhattan Harbor on Monday, and it's docked at Pier 90, right in the center of Manhattan. It's this beautiful white ship with the Red Cross displayed all over it, and it's oddly enough, it's the same pier that Norwegian Cruise Line usually uses when they dock in the city center. So just a little bit of background, because I really think these there's two ships. There's the Comfort and there's the Mercy, but I think they're pretty awesome. Um, this one, the USNS Comfort, was built as an oil tanker in 1975. The Navy took over the ship in 1987 and converted it into a mobile hospital. USNS Comfort has 1,000 hospital beds and 12 operating rooms. The ship currently has 956 naval hospital staff, 258 support staff, and 63 civilians working on board. And the last talking point we have, we're starting to learn how much it's costing Carnival Corporation per ship to have them laid up and not in service. And this is kind of mind-boggling to me at least, but it, it all makes sense. So according to an article in Cruise Industry News, when Carnival Corporation completed their most recent securities and exchange filing, they stated that to lay up each ship complete with crew and officers costs about 2 to $3 million per month for every ship. And remember, this is Carnival Corporation, not just Carnival Cruise Line. Uh, inversely, though, the longer the layup, the price reduces to about $1 million per month because of, re of a reduced number of crew that are on board. Mm -hmm. So for all the Carnival Corporation ships, the company is looking at close to $1 billion per month to keep each ship not in service. That's mind-blowing. A billion dollars a month. Wow. You said that right. A billion? Yeah, that's just... Not doing anything, just keeping the crew wow. and, the, and the officers and maintaining the vessels. Can't even fathom that. That's crazy. Listener question comes from Mark today in Nevada. You can email your questions to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. We received a $3,200 future cruise credit because our upcoming Carnival cruise was canceled. The cruise we're now eyeing is only $1,587 with taxes included. So I'm a little confused. What happens to the unused $1,600? Hi, Mark. And that's a really good question because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering the same thing. So uh, according to Carnival, any leftover future cruise credit dollars can be applied as onboard credits, but only up to a $500 maximum. So anything beyond that amount will be forfeited back to the cruise line and it cannot be refunded, nor can you split it up to use part for one cruise and part for another. So basically, it's use it or lose it. This might be the time to splurge on that balcony stateroom, mm -hmm. or at least buy an upgrade if you're planning on an inside stateroom. Rather than lose the extra money, you, you know, spend it to get your stateroom of your dreams if you can.
Yeah, so probably a good time to splurge or maybe find another sailing that costs a little more so you don't, you know, so you're using your all that future cruise credit and not losing any of it to Carnival. But that's a good question, Mark. And we should probably also say, Sherry, that's just Carnival's policy and every cruise line has their own policy. That's true. And I started looking through them, but everything is changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, you look one week, like from what we might have said last week is totally different yeah. this week and next week it'll probably be different. So All we can do is just keep checking and letting everybody know. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry, and stay safe. You too, Doug. Stay safe and stay healthy. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, in which we include the visas, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. A couple of months ago, Kevin sailed on Royal Caribbean's Explorer of the Seas. He joined us on the line this evening. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Doug. Let's take a step back and give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this five-nighter aboard Explorer of the Seas? Well, we got a really good deal um, on a mid-January cruise. I mean, a nice length of being five nights. You know, and also just trying to get away from the, the endless snowfall that we have up in the Pacific Northwest this time of year. Is it really that bad this winter? You know, the week before we, we flew down to Miami, it, we got about two feet of snow. Oh, and wow. so okay. it was <laughs> definitely great to be able to, to leave to a much warmer climate. When we came back, a lot of it was already melted. But, you know, it's still we're yeah. expecting another another bit coming up here shortly. So you make your way from Washington State to Florida. Any pre-cruise time? Uh, you pretty much have to uh, travel the day before because it does take literally all day to get from the far northwest corner of the country to the far southeast corner. So uh, we did come down the night before, uh, but it was pretty much got in uh, fairly l- late in the evening. But yeah, we we stayed uh, downtown, uh, not too far from the cruise port. So it was yep. an easy getaway come Sunday morning. And you make your way to the terminal. How was embarkation at Port Miami? Embarkation was pretty good. Uh, probably the hardest thing was getting the uh, lift driver from uh, from the uh, hotel to the port to figure out which terminal 
exactly we were going out of. This ship actually went out of Terminal G, uh, but they kept trying to tell us that we were going out of the new Terminal A. Mm-hmm. So completely opposite ends, but still. But we eventually got over there. And once we got to the actual terminal, it, it was pretty quick. We had a suite plus. Uh, we also had purchased the key package as well. So it really kind of helped breeze through uh, the overall process. And I would say probably from uh, curb to ship, uh, 15 minutes at most. And most of that was probably standing in line to get our cruise cards at the check-in desk. And you said you purchased the key package. How does that work? Is that a per-day item? It's priced out on their on their cruise planner as a per-day price, mm-hmm. but you cannot purchase it per day, if that right. makes sense. So yeah. um, it varies by sailing. It's not as structured as like Faster to the Fun with Carnival, mm-hmm. um, where it's very clear uh, what that price is going to be going for uh, for a particular sailing. This one is you only will really know once you get into the cruise planner and do the math to figure out, you know, for instance, five nights on this one times what, what the price was. And then you also have to, it's per person too. Mm-hmm. So it can add up in a hurry, but yeah, it yeah. does offer some pretty decent benefits. So you make your way on board Explorer. What were your first impressions? That's a very nice ship. So it's very similar to, it's in the same classes like the Mariner and the Navigator, but this ship has not yet gone through the amplification process. So it still looks a little bit older, but it was still a very, very nice ship. What kind of stateroom did you book in? What did you think of it? We had a junior suite up on deck nine, kind of mid to aft portion of the ship. It was actually really nice. Uh, you know, probably about the same size as a, as a normal suite is on, on Carnival, you know, to con- compare the two. It really had a lot of uh, space. Uh, we were pretty impressed with how much space it had to store things and to you know, hang up clothes and so forth. I mean, had a nice walk-in closet and and everything. So, and it was a really great location, not being far from all the different amenities on this particular uh, ship. You mentioned that it has not gone through the amplification process yet. Was there USB plugs in the room? There was not. Um, There was only a handful of plugs over by the desk area in the cabin, so no USB. Okay. So let's talk about dining on this five-night cruise, and we'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have, and what did you think of it? We had early dining, and in this particular ship, or at least this particular sailing, early dining actually was really early. It started at 5.30 p.m. So for us coming from the West Coast, it was almost lunchtime uh, (laughs) for the most part. But regardless, we had a uh, really good service. We ended up being at a very large table uh, that it ended up just being my wife and I, which was, was kind of interesting to have that set up. But we were right by the window, and um, the, the wait staff was uh, really good. Uh, brought our food pretty quickly and very personable. Uh, we actually had a drink package, which was like their mid-tier refreshment package. And pretty much by like night two, they had my drink already sitting there at the table waiting for me when I got to the table. Nice. What did you buy, like the Coke package? They actually, on, on Royal Caribbean, they have t- three different tiers of drink package. Okay. I got the refreshment package, which is the mid-tier one. Um, basically, it's almost anything that's non-alcoholic. That makes okay. sense. So I, yeah. I personally don't drink alcohol. So, But you could get anything like up to like a virgin pina colada or virgin strawberry daiquiri. And so it was really, really nice for uh, myself who doesn't drink. And um, my wife got it as well. And since uh, she's pregnant, it made it real easy too for her to be able to get you know, a lot of non-alcoholic drinks but still have that frozen, frozen style. Yeah, for sure. So how about the Windjammer Marketplace, the buffet on Royal Caribbean? How was your experience there? 
it was really good. Um, we went there on both sea days uh, and had was is really easy to find a place to sit. There's also plenty of people walking around with the complimentary drinks, with the iced tea, water, and and uh, lemonade. Uh, so that was really nice. And the food selection was always uh, always really good. Um, they had like their standard stuff that they had every day, like the hamburgers, hot dogs, nachos, things like that. But then they had another area that kept changing day day over day with some other different types of varieties of food. And any other food around the ship that you tried? We did try the pizza place uh, at mm-hmm. the uh, Promenade Cafe. Uh, they have their that's their version of like the twenty four hour pizzeria, and the uh, pizza there was actually really good, probably better than we had on uh, Carnival last time we sailed them. Does this ship have like by the pool hamburgers, hot dogs, like a grab and go type setup? Not really. Uh, we didn't really notice one. Um, they do have a Johnny Rockets on board, but it's not mm-hmm. not right by the pool. Um, yeah. I think they're moving it to the pool whenever they do the major renovations, amplification process. Um, but on this particular one, no, you pretty much really had to go into the buffet to get any, any sort of food. How was the entertainment on this five-night cruise? The entertainment was pretty good. So they had a, a comedian on board that had uh, one family show one night and then an adult show another night. Um, they also had a couple different uh, production shows and then also a um, like some musical variety type shows as well. Nice mixture of entertainment. This particular ship also has the ice rink on board as well. So they had a um, ice show and that one was different because, uh, you know, this is we typically don't sail World Caribbean, but um, this one, they actually your assigned time to go to the ice show is based off of your muster station. Mm-hmm. So like our assigned time you know, in particular was like middle of the of one of the sea days, like at one o'clock in the afternoon. So it's just kind of an odd, odd arrangement they had set up where other people may have had like seven or eight o'clock at night okay. on a on a different day. So hmm. how was the music around the ship? The music was good. So they often had uh, entertainment by the pool area, but then also along the world promenade and then at the different uh, bars and lounges throughout the ship. So it seemed to always have so- something that you could go to, whether in with different styles of music. All right, so let's talk about sea days on this five-day cruise. How was Explorer of the Seas as far as crowds and congestion? It was pretty good. So we had two sea days on this one, and it was pretty easy to kind of move around the ship. And obviously, you had your main congestion points at, right by the pool area uh, for the most part. But uh, besides that, it, was, it wasn't too bad. How was the smoke situation in and around the casino? We didn't spend much time in the casino, um, enough to to win a little bit of money, but uh, the smoke was pretty pretty intense at times. Um, we weren't there for more than probably 20 or 30 minutes, and the smoke was definitely really attached to our clothes for sure. So it was pretty noticeable, but you know you could avoid walking around the casino if you if you really wanted to. It's kind of tucked away on on I think it was deck four mm-hmm. in particular, and you could still cross the ship really easily on the Royal Promenade, which was up on deck five. You said you won a little bit of money in the casino. What do you normally play? We don't normally play anything, but there's one night that, you know, the entertainment kind of wrapped up a little bit early and we were like, well, we don't really want to go to bed yet. We just happened to put a little bit of money in the slot machine and okay. uh, not a huge, not a huge win, but we put, we basically put $2 in and walked away with 43. So Very nice. again, hey, that works. Not, a, <laughs> not, not a huge, you know, thousands of dollars, but Hey, It'll help recoup some of that key cost that you paid. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. So your two ports of call were Nassau and their private destination, Labadee. Uh, Give us a highlight from each one. 
So Nassau, um, we were there pretty much all day. So this particular itinerary, I think we were there from like nine to nine. Uh, so it was a long time there. We went to uh, Pearl Island. And so I think a lot of different cruise lines offer trips out there. And this particular day, um, it's very weird. And Nassau, there's only us and I think it was an, a carnival ship. I think it was the Ecstasy. So not too much crowds at all. So when we went to Pearl Island, there was only maybe 60 of us there total. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, really, really nice. Um, you know, as far as the actual island itself, it's, you know, about a 30 to 45 minute, you know, boat ride over uh, to there. But they offered, you know, a bar that you could buy drinks at. They offered you lunch and a few other uh, few other activities, plus obviously the beach as well. So we, we really had a great time there. That's cool. I've never heard of Pearl Island. I'll have to look that up. So what did you do over in Labadee? So Labadee, we rented uh, what's called beach beds. So they were over off of uh, Adrenaline Beach. So kind of right by like the floating barge bar. And mm-hmm. then also where like the zip lines are and the roller coaster. It's a really nice area. So it's kind of like a blocked off beach area. So um, the waves could be pretty intense over there. So I, I guess the word's protected. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's a protected beach area. So there really weren't that many waves actually along the beach. So it kind of made it nice to just kind of hang out in the water area. But then um, we had these beach beds, which was uh, kind of like what you think of like a four poster um, soft bed per se, like, you know, outdoor mattress kind of thing. And that was really cool. It came with you know, some water and a, a tenant that would get you drinks at the bar. Uh, you still have to pay for the drinks or like in our case, we had the drink package. So that was nice. And so in rural Caribbean lets you use your drink package um, on their private island. But all in all, we had just a nice relaxing uh, day on, on Labadee. I think Carnival needs to tighten up and let people start using their drink package on the private island because now they're the only one that you cannot use it because you can use it on perfect day, Labadee, Royal, uh, what is it? Norwegian Cruise Lines, Great Stirrup, and also MSC Cruises. I was just there a few weeks ago, and you can use it on their private island. So Carnival's the only one that does not have drink package privileges on the island, but maybe that's by design, right? I mean, it's an extra way of grabbing some money, yep. per se, too, right? <laughs> so it sounds like a lot of these vendors are not even directly through the cruise lines. They're third-party mm-hmm. vendors. So yeah. um, it's probably a way for them to also still be able to make, make some dollars. But yeah. it is surprising that Carnival is the only one that doesn't uh, let you use your packages. So you make your way back to Port Miami. How was disembarkation? Disembarkation was really easy. Um, it probably took us maybe 15, 20 minutes to get from you know ship back to curb. Customs was a fairly a breeze. We, we checked our bags. So it was... You know, we still had to wait for our color to be called, but it didn't take too terribly long. And the line was pretty long, I guess, as far as, you know, getting through that final passport check. But the line moved pretty quickly. So it wasn't wasn't too bad. I think after that, it was kind of more of a confusion trying to figure out where to get ride share uh, more than you think because it was a chaotic mess outside the terminal. But that's okay. (laughs) So did you return back to uh, Terminal G? We did because we left on a we left on a Sunday, so Terminal A had the oasis of the seas, I think, in port, and then we, we returned back on a Friday. And Navigator was in, so Navigator got Terminal A as well. So I just returned. Um, I was at Terminal F, so right next to your terminal. What I found <laughs> with this is if you walk about 500 feet away from the crowd of people. Normally, the price will drop on the rideshare by 50%. It was $32 um, when I got off MSC Davina. 
And then I walked about 500 feet down to the next terminal, which happened to be your terminal. I did it again, and it was $16 to the airport. It's That's weird crazy. How, yeah, it's weird how I guess Uber has everyone pinging at this in the same zone. So they surged the price up. So walking a little bit away, I don't know if you had a problem with pricing or just like, you know, someone trying to get there to you. Which one was it? It was more trying to get there to us and mm-hmm. also trying to try, trying to get to buy the curb to be able to see them when they pulled up. Yeah. Pricing, I want to say, was probably about $18 okay. uh, from Terminal G to Miami Airport. And yeah. so it really wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just getting that visibility to, see, to be able to get to the curb and find find the driver. Yeah, you mentioned you had the key. So I want for the listeners who aren't familiar with that, that's like Carnival's Faster to the Fun kind of. What all does it include? So it, it is like Faster to the Fun, but it, it's kind of, to put in World Caribbean terms, it's kind of amplified too, uh, but does cost you more. So it does give you the priority embarkation and debarkation, um, but then also gives you a internet package as well for each person uh, within the stateroom. So if you're going to get internet, it's actually really not much more cost to be able to get the key added on. I think for a lot of cases as well, they give you um, priority shipped ashore at, at ports. We never really needed to use that because the lines at the gangway were pretty short anyways. And then also gave you kind of some different amenities you know, throughout the cruise, which I mean, I'll use the word amenities loosely, but, you know, they, I think they delivered a fruit basket one day and some strawberries another day and different things like that. So kind of s- some small things throughout. And then finally, they gave you a nice uh, embarkation lunch on the first day mm-hmm. in the main dining room. But it, it was using their uh, a limited version of their chopped squirrel menu, okay. which was nice. You kind of like your filet mignon, things like that on there. The only bad thing about that is I don't know if it was just us or if it was just how it typically is, but the service was so was super slow. I mean, we were probably in the dining room at like, say, 1130 in the morning for lunch. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we left till nearly two. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, I think everyone at our table is getting real antsy, just kind of like, come on, we just want to get out to go explore the ship. You know, we just got on this thing. But then on the way off, they offer you also a nice a la carte breakfast, um, you know, on on the last day. And that service was a lot quicker. So it may have just been that first day and how they were set up. But it was nice. I'm not sure if we would do it again or not, um, because it it is kind of pricey. I mean, Mm -hmm. especially when you add up the number of days and and uh, you have to multiply it by the number of people in your room as well. But it was nice. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, looking back on this five-night cruise, do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone either sailing, explorer of the seas, or going to Labadee or Nassau? It is a great option. I mean, Explorer of the Seas is, like I said, hasn't gone through its amplification process. I think it might be doing that later on this year. Mm-hmm. So you can get some really good deals on the, on this particular sailing or on this particular ship. You know, it's still a very nice ship. It is a little bit older, but they've done a really good job maintaining it. The entertainment's really good. The cruise director was was pretty good as well. You know, and then, you know, as far as the two different ports, I mean, you know, Labadee is a really nice one. Yeah, I've been to both Perfect Day and, and Labadee. I think they both have some excellent features to offer. So don't be disappointed if you see on your itinerary it's Labadee and not Perfect Day. Royal Caribbean is doing a great job keeping it up and still offering some really nice excursions and just amenities as well on Labadee. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of the cruise? Just to get away and have the nice relaxation. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, my wife is pregnant. And so this was kind of one of our last big getaways uh, before our family grows by one. And so 
Uh, we really just enjoy the nice relaxation that cruising has to offer. And uh, this was also my wife's first time to be able to experience Royal Caribbean. I've sailed them n- numerous times in the past, and she had the opportunity to try a new cruise line in her eyes and, and did, did enjoy the, uh, the opportunity with Royal Caribbean. All right. In closing here, Kevin, your final thoughts of Explorer of the Seas. Explorer is a great ship and uh, definitely take advantage of sailing on her if you have the opportunity. It's a great, great ship, great crew, and you will you should expect to have a great time. We've been talking with Kevin about his five-night cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Explorer of the Seas out of Port Miami. Kevin, as always, I sure appreciate it, buddy, and congratulations. Thanks, Doug. During these difficult times for the travel industry, Cruise Radio stands behind the men and women who work so hard to bring our vacation dreams to life. From the captains and crew to travel agents, tour operators, vendors, and port employees, we offer a sincere thank you on behalf of the thousands of guests whose lives you impact each and every day. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once with, like, basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. 